There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France. Which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi. It's more popular than being French. See you in there. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox. Welcome to With Friends Like These. Our guests this week are probably familiar to a good portion of our audience as erstwhile Republicans turned professional Trump critics. Rick Wilson is, of course, a friend of the pod and frequent guest on the show. He's the author of two best-selling books, Everything Trump Touches Dies and Running Against the Devil, which is also about Trump. Steve Schmidt is a former GOP strategist that I first got to know on John McCain's Straight Talk Express, where his shaved head and ahead-of-its-time Bluetooth earbud earned him the nickname Lobot. Google it. You will enjoy. We talked at the end of August as part of the Texas Tribune Festival's virtual panel series, mostly about their Lincoln Project venture, a buzzy, often viral anti-Trump campaign that has many fans among folks like us and hopefully will reach some swing voters, too. Coming right up. So we only have a short amount of time, so I'm going to dive right in. Um, I am personally curious, especially for you, Steve, since we haven't been as in touch as, as Rick and I have been. Was there a specific breaking point for you and Trump? A like when you were like, I have to do something? Or was it more just an evolution? Well, I've always stood in opposition to this from the moment he came down the right. escalator. Um and I've been increasingly worried over the course of the campaign in 16, um, his actions as president. I left the party over a specific incident, and that was the child separation policies on the border. I just thought it was profoundly immoral. His racial demagoguery, his turning these people into an invading panzer division about to bust through the southern border of the country and the fever swamps of the Fox news imagination was just too much. And it just harkened back to the worst excesses in the history of the country, the separation of families at the slave auction blocks and worst abuses on the reservation at the end of the 19th century with child separation policies. And, you know, I think that when you think about those refugees and, you know, by all means, we're not able to let them all into the country, though some of them are certainly eligible to have been admitted and under the law, right, they have a they have a right to present themselves at the border, is that when when a refugee sees a uniform with an American flag on the shoulder, they should know that they're safe. 
not that they're at the beginning of a great trauma. And I just thought it was a despicable moment. You sort of accidentally brought up a segue to something I did want to talk about, which is the response of a person of color to a person in uniform, um, which is something that we're seeing the result of right now in our streets. Um, you know, I'm based in Minneapolis. Um, it was an intense time here. Uh, a time actually the city really came together. But these protests, and I guess we now have to say counter protests, have totally riven the nation. And Trump is trying to use them as his last ditch effort to win this campaign. Rick, let's start with you. What do you think of that? Well, look, I approach it in two big, big ways. First off, no one should be shocked that a man and I, I we, you know, Steve and I were talking about this the other day. You know, people who call Trump a fascist loosely and lightly have sort of diminished the import of the kind of strategy that he's applying here. He's attempting to to generate additional racial tensions. He's attempting to use those tensions as a political wedge in the country to ensure re-election. And uh, I, I step back from it a little bit as a sort of Berkeyan conservative. I think the state's power to kill people is an enormous and dangerous tool. Donald Trump is watching the things that are happening in places like, you know, with in cases like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and essentially saying, pay no attention to the abuse of state power. What's really the story here are the protesters, the Antifa, all these imaginary demons that he's trying to put out there. We are a country right now that has an abuse of force problem, particularly with people of color. There is a cultural problem inside policing in this country that that conservatives right now are pretending is, is the fault of the victims. And, and by conservatives, I say Trump supporters. You know, an actual conservative would not believe that state power should be abused the way it is. So I, I think that that is a, an, an element of this we are not fully appreciating yet is how much it's being exploited, how much a serious problem is being exploited for Trump's political benefit. Who do you think's not understanding that? Because I feel like at least, you know, maybe it's just me and mine, which is a, not a random sample, but I'm terrified about Most the use of- in DC. Most reporters in DC don't understand it. Yeah. They ping pong with He said, she said. Yeah, this is not a, and to, to, to my mind, it's not a he said, she said issue. And, and Steve, what do you think? I mean, we saw people rolling into Portland waving Trump flags. And it's not a on one side, other side situation. I have yet to see someone made a point like we don't see pickup trucks or or Priuses with big you betcha signs like, you know, waving off the back and, and going hunting down people. How do you think this is going to play out for, for Trump? Well, let's just step back from this for, for a moment. First off, I, I think that it's important to acknowledge something. And it's that the performance of the governor of the state of Oregon and the mayor of the city of Portland are every bit as incompetent as the performance of Ron DeSantis in COVID, the performance of Abbott in Texas, the, the civil, the violence of these protests, the burning, the looting needs to be brought under control. 
that Trump is a lawless president. This is also lawlessness. Lawlessness fuels Trumpism. And I just want to step back to what is it that we saw last week, because I think it's important. We saw three things. We saw breathtaking lying. Right. And the advancement of the absurd proposition that Donald Trump cares about you, your family and about the country. Breathtaking lying. You saw absolute lawlessness, clear violation of dozens of laws regarding the use of federal taxpayer property for for political events, clear as day, long understood laws. And then you saw the seizure of profoundly important symbols of the American Republic for Donald Trump's perverse political use. And when you sum it all up, implicitly what he was saying was, I am the truth, I am the law, I am the state. And so this is a fascistic enterprise that has taken root on American soil. This is not four years ago where this was coming together, there was a haphazardness to it. And ideology has attached itself to Donald Trump, Trumpism. It's fear-based. It's divisive. It is fundamentally un-American. The, the American tradition is a small r Republican tradition. We are a revolutionary idea that we can govern ourselves. And what's exceptional about the country is the longevity of that idea over the last 244 years. And the story of the country is the fight to include everybody under the umbrella of the expression of a perfect idea. And that's what this moment is right now, because Donald Trump represents for the first time in the history of an America of, of America, the seizure of power by someone with illiberal and autocratic tendencies. And that's what you're seeing now is we're about nine weeks out from the election. And you're seeing the political violence that always teams around the edges of any fascistic enterprise. You're seeing Trump pickup trucks festooned with flags rolling into cities like technical vehicles as if we're in some failed state. And there will be more political violence. We saw a 17-year-old man radicalized by Trumpism. He got in his car from Illinois and he went to Wisconsin. He became a killer. But do we have any doubt about the cause and effect? The only reason the McCloskeys were sitting there at the Republican convention was for the achievement of pointing weapons at black people. And they told the country that they were coming to end civilization, to end their neighborhoods, to attack them. And we saw it with speaker after speaker after speaker. And so not for the first time, we have the deranged, the disillusioned, the lonely, susceptible to the conspiracy theories that play out across social media, a vast propaganda network, some of it state sanctioned by hostile foreign powers, other, other parts of it organic reaching its target. So we're, we're at a dangerous hour in this country where we will see more violence or political violence as the president of the United States is stoking that violence for the purposes of trying to present himself as a law and order figure. I think you're right. I am personally 
terrified. Um, I think things might get worse. Um, so here's Swoops and the Lincoln Project. Is the Lincoln Project going to help save us? You know, Anna, we're part of a movement and a coalition, okay? We are a specific set of tools in a toolbox that we move very fast. We use this, the, the techniques that we honed over a very long period of time to, to move voters. You know, we can't go out and be the biggest voter reg organization in the country, which would be great, but we've only got 30 people and we don't have $100 million to do it. We can't go out and sue everybody, you know, on the Trump side uh, in terms of, of bringing legal action against all these things that they're doing. But what we can do is shape the narrative. What we can do is wage the psychological warfare we wage against the president very effectively and consistently. And what we can do is target and move voters that we have looked at across the country who are traditionally Republican voter demographics um, to go out and, and talk to them in the language and the vernacular they understand. But what we can also do is apply the targeting skills that we've got to nudge other groups along that are some of the, some of them that are outside of our traditional demo um, to nudge those along and cover gaps in the Biden campaign or the Democratic campaign. Um, and I think one of the questions that people often overlook when they say, oh, well, you guys are, you know, you're a bunch of conservatives, a bunch of Republicans, whatever, a bunch of ex-Republicans. You know, what are you going to do after all this is over? Well, our mission statement was very clear. We're working to eliminate Donald Trump, take him out of office. But we're also looking to eliminate Trumpism, which is just fascism with a better television network, okay, to eliminate Trumpism and its enablers. That is why we're going after people in the Senate. And as much as our former colleagues in the Republican Party squawk, oh, why are you going after nice Susan Collins? She's a moderate. No, she enabled Donald Trump every time she got a chance. So those folks have, have they, they, as Steve likes to say, they bought the ticket. Now they get to take the ride. We're going to take a quick break for the invisible hand of the market to make an appearance. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why. And that's why Ritual's founder is on a mission to reinvent the vitamin industry. Kat Schneider and her team of scientists at Ritual are making clinically tested the new normal. Not only have they obsessively researched each nutrient in their visionary women's multivitamin, carefully choosing forms that are absorbable by the body, but they've tested their formula a lot. Science-backed isn't just a buzzword for them. It's the standard. Ritual left out mystery additives, synthetic fillers, and shady extras that can be found in some traditional multivitamins. I talk all the time how I love like the you know minty scent of Ritual, and I have a life hack, which is you put the little tab that smells nice in your other vitamin or pill bottles, and that way you get to have that little bonus every time you take something. And speaking of every time you take something, one of the things I like about Ritual is the name implies the thing I use it for, which is habit stacking. The way that you develop new habits is to have something that you do normally all the time and then have that thing remind you to do it. Ritual is something I actually look forward to, and it reminds me to do all the other stuff I need to do in the morning, which, you know, early in the morning I can forget. So it's ritual, brush teeth, regular pills, moisturize, and drink a big glass of water. Now, 
For obsessive label readers, Ritual uses vegan-certified, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients. And their sources are out there for the whole world to see because they believe you deserve to know what you're putting in your body and why. Daily changes can lead to big results, so start small. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off their first three months. It is satisfaction guaranteed. Go to ritual.com slash friends to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash friends. The new Members Picks box from Fab Fit Fun is on sale now. This is where members have voted on their favorite things that come in the Fab Fit Fun box. And now you get this pre-selected wonderland of beauty products and fashion accessories. Whether it's a Michael Kors passport wallet, which let's just say that's an aspirational thing to have right now, or a tart hydrating moisturizer, the Members Picks box is curated specifically with members' top-rated products from past seasons. Think of it as the members sharing the love just for you all in one box. You can choose from a wide variety of products when you order your box today. I personally love this amazing scented hair oil that I never would have grabbed off the shelf myself because I I don't think of myself as needing hair oil, but it smells like patchouli, but better somehow. I liked it so much I actually ordered more of it like separately. I've been getting FabFitFun boxes from my mother-in-law for probably five years, and I've never turned off the subscription, ever. So I think you'll like it, too. At the very, very least, it's a box where you can pick some goodie for yourself, and you can have a bunch of goodies to give away to your girlfriends. You'll have hostess gifts for when we start visiting each other for years to come. It is time to customize your fall box if you are going to subscribe. Sign up today to receive your first box and join a community of over 1 million women who are already obsessed. Use the coupon code WFLT10 for $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. That's code WFLT10 for $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. And we're back on with the show. I am curious about the sort of the, the few different things you spoke of as part of the Lincoln Project's aims. You know, there was uh, driving the narrative, um, moving some voters uh, who might be traditional Republican voters. And then the third one was maybe moving some voters who aren't traditional Republican voters. And I'm curious what if you think you've been successful, because now, I, I feel like I might be the target audience for this, and I don't know if I'm supposed to be, because I love your ads, right? Like, they're awesome. Like, they make me feel great. But that's sort of just the flip side of triggering the cons, you know? Like, it makes me happy to, like, see that, that Trump embarrassed. So, and I think that that works on journalists, 
because, well, I'm a journalist, I guess. But is that something that moves people? What's important to remember is we do three different major columns of advertising, okay? Column one is narrative setting, psychological warfare, mess with Donald Trump. There's no one in the business, modestly saying, speaking, that does it like we do. We can tweet something or run an ad and he will spend a day obsessing or have or launch a witch hunt or fire a campaign manager. And every day we do that is not because we enjoy trolling Donald Trump, although it's fun, but because every day we do that disrupts his campaign, takes him off Joe Biden, distracts him, moves him away from that. The second part is that we are we are, you know, and that and that, by the way, that big psychological warfare part, the narrative setting part, that's the over that's the part of the iceberg you see outside the water. Below that, we have a big voter targeting operation and ads that are very finely tuned and that are going in with certain messages in certain places that are going to drive the storyline in those states. And we are effective in doing that. Now, we saw we helped Al Gross in Alaska. We were the only game in town, essentially, in the media space. We, we bumped him up 23 points to parity uh, in that race where they, that shouldn't have even been close to happening. We've moved the numbers in Ohio and we moved the numbers in Pennsylvania and other places. And we're going to go further than that as we go forward. But, you know, you see a lot of a lot of the upper end of the iceberg is very visible to media people um, because those are things that are targeting the, the national narrative and the Trump campaign and Trump himself. Um, but there's a lot more going on under the surface. It, you know, I think Steve can jump in and talk about that. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about what's going on under the surface. Steve. Well, it's a sophisticated campaign where we will use all of the data science and all of the tools that are available to make sure that we're able to arbitrage the cost of a dollar and maximize it as we reach voters, you know, that are persuadable that we're trying that we're trying to move. And I think that one of the things that we do you're telling them. Like I want to know that? like what's the message that's going to help convince like someone who might be on the fence. Well, I think that I think one thing that I think one thing's important to understand is that one of the things, one of the aberrations of this era is we've never really seen in this country before fully a cult of personality merged with political power. And so the Republican Party doesn't even have the pretense of being anything uh, more than that with the fact that there's no platform. just a bunch of words that require obedience to to Donald Trump. And so when you look at the people in the pickup trucks, when you look at crazy Pastor Paula in the White House, the Jerry Falwell Juniors, when you look at the people who stand up to the podium that tell you that Donald Trump cares about you, when you look at his record of incompetence and ineptitude, all of it, you can push the majority of the country away from the insanity that abounds Trumpism, right? We're the majority in this country, right? Trump's power is illusory in the sense that he was able to translate this political inside straight in 2016 into this patina of political invincibility, right? I mean, there is a specific way we approach Trump and go at him. When we are doing our ads talking about COVID, talking about the economy, all of those ads thematically drive a theme of loss, right? And when you have loss, right, one one emotion that's attached to that is grief. Another emotion is anger. And we are trying to uh, 
stoke grief and anger in our communications and anger because in in grief and anger in our communications because it's appropriate. You know, people people should be out. Do grief and anger turn people out? Yes, and they're 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 persuasive, right? You know, in the end, you know, Trump has wrecked the American way of life. I mean, I think everybody will know what I'm talking about, where there's just that hitch after Labor Day, right? That change in weather, that notion that the dog days of summer are behind you, school year starting again. There's just a different rhythm, and none of that's going to be this year. Not be any Friday night. Lights football. There's not going to be college football games. Schools are in chaos and they'll be emptied out. None of this had to be. You know, life is getting back to normal in a lot of countries. You know, we have a we have an absolutely devastated economy. We have a disease in this country that's going to cross the line to 200,000 dead. And it doesn't matter what type of fantasy that Donald Trump puts on. You know, one of the things I think that we've been effective at doing is pointing out what the truth of the situation is. And I I think we've been an effective point of the spear. And I think that there's been a lot of other groups then that have begun to align, right, uh, attacks against Trump along the, what we think are the essential axis, right, in in the race, right, that point out how much damage he's done to the country. And I'll give you one example. Last week, when Trump tweeted that we should boycott Goodyear because they wouldn't let people wear MAGA hats, we turned an ad and put it up in Ohio within hours um, in places like Akron and Canton and places where Donald Trump should have a lot of strength. And it wasn't a big picture Trump ad. It wasn't like everything he's done wrong or, or one of those trigger the cons ads. It was very simple. It just said, here's what he tweeted. Here's how many jobs depend on, on Goodyear. Here's what, it, here's what it means to Ohio. And the message was very simple. He's not on your side. He never has been. And so you, you don't see as many of those things on the national media radar screen, but those are out there iterating across digital and cable and broadcast and other platforms. You know, you don't see a lot of the things that we're doing in places like Florida or Arizona. They're not as flashy and as showy. And we don't, we don't go out and beat the drum on every single one of those matters because we're letting the work speak for the work. And we're, we don't need to go out and make it every one of those things into a viral story. We did an ad this weekend with Doc Hastings. It's got like five and a half million views now. And that's a big emotional mover. But we're not going to put that up in every single state we're in. It is one of those things that communicates a, a, a message that we know where it's going to work. And we're going to place it in places it works. But again, a lot of those things under the iceberg, this is a game of small numbers. We're fighting an electoral college map where we know where there are voters that are gettable. We know that voters, and you'll see a lot from us on COVID, as Steve mentioned, we know that voters, 65% of voters who changed their vote this year did so because of Trump screwing up COVID. That's a big number. That's why you see that message over and over again about COVID and the economic problems that, that, the, that, that it's caused is because we know it moves those voters. And you'll see that out there like, iterating across platforms for us. I want to, I, since you brought up speed, I want to ask you about something I would, I hesitated to ask, but I'm going to have to, which is you do move very fast. And I think some of that speed online has wound up, you've appropriated certain memes a few times. The Lincoln Project has, I won't say you personally, but that's happened. Is it because yeah, you're you know, moving fast? Social guys, social guys grabbed some memes and remixed a few other ones. You know, as, as a th- subject of internet culture, it happens a lot. 
Um, our policy now, which they've shifted to, they always acknowledge creators when we know who the creator is. And they, 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 you know, a sign of a good organization is you have a problem, you find it, you fix it, you go forward, which is what, they, what the kids did. And we have an amazing staff of young, aggressive, really hungry operators who move fast and break shit, as they say. And when, the, when, they, when you have to fix it, you fix it. And they did within about, within about eight hours of that story popping. They changed the policy, changed the thing, made sure that people got credit for the work. So we move forward. We could probably have a longer conversation about um, the different cultures of um, progressives and conservatives and why it seems like maybe liberals are better at memes. But um, I won't have that conversation now. Instead, I'm going to have a different uncomfortable conversation, which is I'm not going to ask y'all to apologize for shit. You know, I've, I've talked to Rick and I have talked about his past ads. Um, Steve, I covered the McCain campaign. I know exactly like kind of what you're your contribution to um, the Republican Party has been. But I know this is a subject of like constant discussion on the left about the never Trumpers. And I'm curious just what you think of that. The fact that there are people that really want to hold you responsible for basically because you helped create the modern Republican Party, you set the stage for what's happening now. Steve, I'd like to hear from you first, because I've, I've talked with Rick about this, but I, I haven't heard from you. Well, I, I guess my reaction is to the smugness and the sanctimony of it, and makes me want to respond with a colorful colloquialism from my native land of New Jersey that <laughs> begins with and ends with yourself. Um, <laughs> The um, look, anybody who believes that they'll be able to find all virtue in their political party and all evil in the other, it's really a sign of being a moron. And they're precisely the type of people that explain the reciprocal tribalism that's gotten us into this fucking disaster in the in the country and and i have i have as much disdain for a left-wing nut as i do for a for a right-wing nut and a book burner is a book burner um i can't stand the illiberalism of the of the hardcore left the truth is i grew up in the state of new jersey i was a jack kemp republican I come from the northeast of the of the country, which was filled with liberal Republicans, you know, at, at one point in time. And I've had the opportunity to work in the White House. And when I worked in the White House, I conducted myself appropriately and honorably. And I appreciate that people may have different political points of view. One of the things that I think is badly overdue in this country and something that you know, I have, you know, tried to do over the recent years is to understand where other people are coming from, uh, what informs their point of view, um, unless they uh, prove otherwise to have a perspective that their positions are formed in good faith, and that the American political system is built on concepts, including incrementalism and accommodation, and compromise. And we're going to need some of that in this country. We're going to need some grace um, after, after this period. And we are in a bad, 
bad, bad place. And I think that the zealots, and they exist across the spectrum in American politics, right, aren't going to be the answer to making anything better. And I think that anybody who wants to assign blame, you know, to people that, you know, served in campaigns or in government really as political staffers, I think is profoundly naive about, you know, what happened over the course of, you know, the last 20 years, you know, at a, at a meaningful level with what they really disagree with. You know, what we're involved in in this project, you know, is to stand up um, for the American experiment, American democracy. I mean, we, we believe that it's under real threat. And no matter where you fall on the ideological spectrum, right, you know, whether you believe that the answer to most of society's problems comes from more government intervention or you think that's a bad idea, right, what unites me and most of the progressive movement, what unites Rick and most of the progressive movement in this moment is a fidelity to the idea that we want to live in a free society, don't want to live in Trumpistan. I agree. I think, and I think that's a very strong uniting idea. I mean, I think Rick and I's relationship is an attest to that. But I, I think this is worth digging in on a little bit because there's going to have to be after this is over, um, almost something like a a truth and reconciliation movement, I think. Um, I hope, and I'm, I actually, so in my, my, this, I mean, Trumpism, and that is like my optimistic view that it will sometime, we will have a chance to, to do truth and reconciliation. So I'm curious. So Rick, I'm going to flip it around on you. Is there a political position or political role that someone could have held in their life that you would find unforgivable, that you would be able to not work with that person because they, they were a part of that movement? You mean, you mean uh, like someone who recklessly violates the constitution consistently or someone who is engaged in the lawless aging of children? Yeah, I could, I could easily find plenty of ways to do that. There are plenty of spaces I wouldn't go. There are plenty of, plenty of people. I, I look, I've turned down plenty of work in my life from people who I said, no, that person's a shithead. I'm not going to go there. Well, I'm just, I'm trying to turn it around on you sort of like to, to say that these progressives that want to hold your work against you, is there anything that someone could do on the left that you would be like, I don't want to work with that person because they've done something or supported a cause in the past that I feel is unjust or immoral? Look, there are plenty of, there, yeah, I've, I've made plenty of ethical decisions in campaigns over the years to say, no, I'm not going to work with X or Y or the money from this is, is shady or what have you. But my, my issue with this, there's a lot of folks on the left who are like, we want to litigate what you guys did 20, 25 years ago. And my question to them is always this, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing right now? The fucking house is on fire. You want to argue about the, the wallpaper we put up in the basement 20 years ago, or you want me to come in and help put out the fire? What do you, it's your call. You know, I, there's a lot of that that is, that is sanctimonious and, and pointless. And it tells me that they're not serious about the, about not the, the, the big picture ideological politics, but the small picture operational politics of getting rid of this guy. And that makes me feel like we've already wasted enough time on this particular genre of questions. So I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm going to get to the, the, to, to what people really want to hear, which is what do you think is going to happen? What is your view right now, Steve? Like, I don't, I'm not going to ask, I guess I don't want to ask for a prediction because we all should be out of the prediction business. 
But maybe if you could sketch out like what you think could be a strategy for um, Biden to win. Look, I, I think going back to the first thing that, you know, I said is that Trumpism is in in my mind, and, and I know that Rick shares this, a, a very specific type of ideology, right? It's formed, it's 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 rooted. And and that ideology is a toxic one, it's a venomous one. And it will poison and strangle a democratic society. And Biden has to confront that. That ideology has to be confronted, right? And it can't be confronted passively, right? It's got to be confronted fiercely. And Joe Biden has to go out and he has to lead, right? He has to speak to the whole country, right? Donald Trump is a thug and a gang leader. He's the head of a faction that's declared war on the part of the country that they disagree with, right? It's everything at the core of what you saw last week was antipathy for the reality of, of America, right? And so that has to be confronted. What, what, and the way that Biden has to confront it is with American ideas and ideals and values, right? Which is the idea that what the country's about is for everybody for everybody, and to celebrate the greatness of that idea, to confront Trump's hate and racial bias with love, with unity, to talk about the concepts of e pluribus unum, out of many, one, to talk about the history of the country and the stakes that we have in this moment as we seek to recover from this disaster. But, but he has to go out and fight this. He's got to fight the pathologies that you saw Donald Trump let loose last week. And he is our vessel. Every person in this country, no matter where they are, on some sort of ideological spectrum who believes in liberty, believes in freedom, believes in the rule of law, believes in the American system of checks and balances, where we pick our leaders, right? And no one is above the law, right? Trying to expand that to include everybody. That everybody has a stake in that fight. And Joe Biden is the guy, the man who has been raised up by the country to challenge this, you know? And we're part of a small, small part of the coalition that's involved in that fight, but he's got to fight hard and he's got to call it out. He's got to call it out every day. Because Donald Trump cannot be allowed to lie, to distort, and to demean the values of the country nonstop. And if we could harness your ability to talk about this as pure energy, we would not need fossil fuels anymore. Um, <laughs> I appreciate both of your passions. Um, and I am so grateful to be able to chat with you, but we are going to have to end. Thank you so much. Well, pleasure as always. And uh, hopefully next time, next time live in Austin. Yes, next time, next time live in Austin. And that is it for the show. We have only one more episode as kind of a converts edition bonus. That will be next week's conversation with Eva Heckberg. And then after that, a new season, a new edition, a new theme. Apparently the word season makes people think that they have to listen to episodes in order. 
And I assure you, you do not. Our seasons are just a collection of ideas trying to answer a question about what friends like these really means. And speaking of which, we are looking for feedback on last season. So, well, if you liked the show, please rate and review it and tell your friends. Buy some vitamins while you're at it. And of course, take care of yourselves. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.